Welcome to the Swamplex Podcast. My name is Brandon Lede. I'm Brittany Lombos. I'm James Cohn. And I'm Hannah Rassinen. And this is episode 175. Really? Good yeah. Lord. Oh, wonderful. What are we still doing? Yeah, this here? is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> It means about in a year's time, we'll be doing episode 200. Sick. Damn. Wow. <laughs> and we usually celebrate these like 25 milestones. I think 200 think... would be a fun one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We got to do something for that. Yeah. We, yeah. We can watch 200 movies. Uh, I can't and... wait till we get to a thousand though. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> It'd be fun to watch the like listener count just like slowly drag off as we push towards that horizon. <laughs> yeah. As people are literally just dying how off. Old, <laughs> how old would we be at? Episode a thousand. <laughs> like That's not the, going to happen. Oh, I think we'll Let's be dead. Let's do it. Like, We're still recording <laughs> yeah, like late, one late every 60s, other day. Late sixties, mid seventies. Just I would. That would make me so happy. Just like our old, I know, crippled selves. <laughs> I know, and I hope we get like meaner as we get yeah. older and like this more movie critical. Was bad. I think exactly. Jordan Peele's kind of fallen off. <laughs> It's <laughs> been pretty mid lately. Pretty mid. Oh no! With the yeah, I've been doing speaking. Gen Z talk oh, while we were God. drinking last night. Pretty what? Mid. Don't don't worry about it. Unremarkable. Yeah, yeah. Oh, middling. Yeah. Oh, uh, the ultimate yeah. Gen Z insult. It was fine. Yeah, you're pretty mid. <laughs> I have no strong feelings. Yeah, there were a lot of mids in the room last night. <laughs> We were trying to go to a Krampus-themed walking parade. We walked about halfway to it and then parked at Molly's of the Market. That's when y'all became mid. Yes. That's right. My brain has been pretty mid all day. <laughs> How late did y'all stay out? Not late at all. No. I think I was home by nine. Oh yeah. God. So I went... So last night I saw this like Alanis Morissette cover band. What? At Tipitina's. <laughs> I saw oh, those clips I, on Instagram. Yeah. I was like, fuck was yeah, Brittany had a good so night. so much fun, but like, it was like, ten, they didn't start playing. The cover, the opening band was just like 90s covers, which was a, a good time. And then they left and then the Alanis Morissette stuff started at like 10. And then I looked over at my friend and she's like 40. And we we're just kind of like. Just nudge me when you want to tap out. Right. <laughs> and then we, it was so much fun. And then we were just like, I think we got to go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't go past like, I'm like, I have to be home by like 1130. Yeah. And then I like died when I got home. Yeah. And I'm like, what is this? I used to stay out till like 430. And I'd right. be like, I don't get, or no, I'm sorry, eight. I used to like stay out till eight and like just yeah. like not sleep. And I cannot do it no more. No. Mm-mm. I struggled to stay awake on the bus ride home at 9 p.m. Like, oh my God. I, I <laughs> believe We it. were out there at, I think we got out there like two o'clock in the yeah. afternoon, and we were yeah. drink we were drinking steadily, and then we got to the art show, and it was like free champagne, yeah. just got it, yeah, and oysters. Oh my god, I and- gobbled those oysters. Yeah, I, yeah. So like, I mean, it was a pretty decadent so. day. Yeah, I know. I was like, I'm free? getting as many as I can. Yeah. We saw a kaiju. Next time, bring your big purse. Santa statue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it's true. A giant, really creepy, sta- giant Santa, Santa statue in Lafayette yeah. Square. Is it permanent? I hope so. I hope so, too. I think it's permanent for December, probably. <laughs> oh, so it's like it's there now. It's cool. a big, I think so. It's a big plastic <gasps> statue. It was there when we were walking back. Is it colored? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. or is it just like all gold or something? No. That would be amazing. That's what I was wondering. Uh, Worship at its feet. Gold. <laughs> the golden idol like, of Santa. We're going to go pray to that Santa the minute we like finish recording this. That's we right. were talking about bringing him cookies as <laughs> yeah. like an offering. Throw, he ha- yeah, he has like an open mouth. He's like a hole. So it seems so you like you could throw cookies. It. Yeah. Ooh. You could. That, if yeah. you had a good You're arm. onto something. What else can we put in his mouth? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Well, if you can't tell, this is the uh, lull between Thanksgiving and Christmas uh, that we're pushing through right now. Uh, so we're going to do a holiday-themed episode today. 
Uh, the episode theme is pretty loose, as I'm sure we'll get into. <laughs> it is very loose. <laughs> it's very I don't loose. know if many of these films actually meet the right. criteria. criteria. Yeah. <laughs> Here's my, who sets it? You said yeah, it. I said it. <laughs> yeah, I said, and here's the thing: they all beat it in my book. Okay. So yeah, you, a Christmas tree is in a movie. It's holiday, okay? <laughs> a turkey, right? We'll we'll put it in there too. Yeah, I th- everyone's welcome. I think the movies we selected really buck up against both parameters of the topic. <laughs> they're so. either not a melodrama or they didn't happen during the holidays. <laughs> We're testing the boundaries here in this podcast. And, you know, isn't that what uh, art is all about? Exactly. What else have you been watching besides, quote unquote, holiday movies? (laughs) Yeah, quote unquote. I haven't been watching any movie, even though you've given me an insane amount of movies. Oh, yeah. We've been getting screeners in the mail like every 30 seconds since the last time we recorded. But I have taken off two days of work next week to sit down and like watch a bunch of those. So I feel like starting next week, I'm going to do what you've done this past week just burned through so many best of the year you know i've been getting those from the uh southeastern film critic association thing and today as we're recording this they sent out like the ballot i could not vote for that fast enough like get this ritual out of my brain yeah no more information (laughs) needs to be going into my eyeballs wow (laughs) i remember like uh, a long time ago, they were talking about the animated category for the uh, Academy Awards and like how a lot of critics like didn't watch the films. And I was like, how can you not watch the film? I was like so up in arms. And now seeing the volume of films that you've gotten I and the number of choices you have to make like per film, I do understand a little <laughs> bit daunting. more. Yeah, it's a chore, it's a yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's also free stuff, so I don't right. want to complain too much. <laughs> it's oh, been cool, I have yeah. so many free movies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, because of like Thanksgiving and family stuff, and I've just been watching like Florida Bama, like a reality show about a bunch of people in Panama City, young people get drunk, and you know, it's like any other reality show, but. That's where my head's at yeah. right now. Nice. Like, <laughs> I just want to like tune out and get into some drunken drama and watch the movies I need to for the podcast. But like, I have not yet built up the will to watch all these movies laying on my table. Well, now that you're like into drunken drama reality style, <laughs> I would highly recommend jumping in just full on into the real housewives world <laughs> I, I i've been in that world i used to have roommates that like were really into it okay. and i've seen a couple seasons okay, good. um there's something about these particular florida bama people that remind me of like my lsu days oh and i, I think also like going out with brandon last night and getting pretty sloppy too drunk i don't know why we did that but it but it it was nice to think like at least there weren't cameras around back when <laughs> right. we were doing some of the antics. Oh yeah. Th- and like the fact that these kids are going to have to look at this in 20 years and mm-hmm. relive some of these horrible <laughs> drunken decisions. It. Yeah. And we can. Yeah. Or, yeah. We were like we the last generation that could kind of escape. It just lives in stuff. your mind. Yeah. It lives in my mind before I go to bed at night. And I'm like, why did you do that yeah. dumb shit <laughs> 10, 20 years ago? Nothing I did or said last night would have made it to air. Just like, I, I'm recalling explaining the plot of Wuthering Heights for the entire <laughs> 10 block walk from Molly's to the streetcar. I was enraptured. Yeah. I was, 
<laughs> yeah, the producers would have been very frustrated with us. Talk about like, anything please. else. How do we edit this down? To like, we need bite. something else. We need more drama. Yeah. <laughs> Has anyone been watching movies? I know Hannah's been watching. I've been so, watching yeah. movies. My mom came and visited. My sibling oh, and cool. my mom came. And they both stayed at my house at like in a staggered manner. So Nora was over and then left. My mom came over and I watched the movies with my mom. Aww. We watched The Illusionist, which is an animated movie from 2010, directed by um, Sylvain Chaumet, who also did The Triplets of Belleville. And it's a very, like, a very similar kind of animation style. It's set in the 1950s. It's about this French illusionist who is like really struggling for work and. He is invited to go to this like island off of Scotland and he meets this like very young girl there who kind of wants to get off the island and he develops like a tenderness towards her and it's not or at least it doesn't seem to be like a sexual attraction or anything. He's just like buying her nice shoes and you know it's like he he cares for her so she comes over with him back to edinburgh and then they live in a little apartment together and he's like trying to find work in the city to allow both of them to live and she's like living her kind of young like glamorous life as like a newly urban person and it's a it was a really sweet sad melancholy movie it deals a lot with like kind of the shifting value of entertainment and like the kind of entertainment that is valued by the public. Like he's overshadowed a couple of times by this like 1950s, like British rock group. And they're like really like beautiful flamboyant young boys. And there's like a ventriloquist and I think a mime or a clown that are like, all kind of trying to get work at the same time as him and failing equally. Uh, and I don't know. It was a really, really sweet movie about dedication towards your art, even when it is slowly being devalued by society. Uh, and it was written by Jacques Tati. It's The guy's drawn to look like Jacques Tati, yes. too, right? Mm-hmm. But he died, like, this is from 2010, and he died in, like, 1982, I think. So he mm. never made it. Um, and then his daughter gave it to this director, and they made the animated adaptation. And it does feel like kind of a tribute to him. Like, the he, he is modeled to look like Jacques Tati. His name is Tati Chef, which is um, his daughter's last name. There's actually a clip of Jacques Tati in the film, but yeah, I thought it was really sweet. I mean, it it's definitely not an uplifting movie, but there was just like this really deep tenderness that I appreciated. Yeah, I remember I like I came into the room for a little bit. I think it was on pause and I asked your mom like, "So, how was the movie? Like, how's it going?" And she's like, "Oh, it's kind of sad. Like it's about not realizing your dreams and ambitions <laughs> kind of shattered." I'm like, all right, All well, right. I'm going to go back to uh, <laughs> trying to learn some Rush songs because I <laughs> have not made it as a guitar player. <laughs> so, That's yeah. a tough hill to climb, though, yeah, Rush yeah, in particular. Okay. Right. Or, but. Yeah, we actually, all of the films that we watched together were kind of in that vein. Like, not in the dreams dying, but like very melancholy. <laughs> we also watched Marcel, The Shell with Shoes On, which just, I was absolutely sobbing. And then we watched The Quiet Girl, which is this like very sweet sad movie about this young 
Irish girl who's like lives with her mother's uh, cousin for a summer. Um, but yeah, it was it's good like watch with your mom movies if you and your mom are both okay with melancholy sad stuff. It's like a cozy kind of sadness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very contemplative and affirming of like the difficulty and the beauty of life. So yeah, that's what I was doing. <laughs> uh, Brittany, what oh. have you been watching? Um, I'm watching a bunch of junk. And <laughs> the, the coolest piece of junk that I watched lately is And God Created Woman, the 1988 film, which is, it's not a remake of the OG one from years before that. Okay, I've seen the it's French, right? The original yes. one from the 50. I've seen that one. It's the same director that did this one too. Oh, weird. It's a remake. Um it's the plots are like not the same at all. The only remake aspect of it is that the title was reused. It's so weird. Huh. So this stars Rebecca De Mornay which is why I watched it. I'm like, <laughs> oh, like I love, I, I just like love her and I love like early 80s, like trashy Rebecca De Mornay, like going into her like role of a lifetime in The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, you know? I did immediately picture her like bathroom stall freak out when you said her name. I was just like <laughs> picturing her like punching the bathroom stall doors. In her the, best the, moment. Yeah. So in this movie, she is in prison and she has this like amazing mullet and she's like a, you know, a lady prisoner and she escapes and um, she hitches a ride in the de- like it's a New Mexico prison, so it's like you know very deserty. And the person she hitches a ride with is a politician who just like brings her back to the prison. And I don't know like that much about prison laws, but she essentially pays this guy who like is the handyman at the prison like five grand to marry her so she can get out of prison. I don't think it works like that. I don't think it works like that, but it does in here. (laughs) And they bang before all this happens. Like there's a part where like she's like changing and then he like sees her and they just automatically have sex. And then after she's like, hey, five grand, you want to marry me? And he's like, sure. And they get married. And then she's like, yeah, I'm not going to have sex with you anymore. And then she tries to make a band. (laughs) What? because the place. she sings in prison <laughs> and she um goes to this like record producer and then she like sings but she mimics the sounds of instruments where she's like dun, 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 like as drums like, <laughs> it's so bizarre and they're just like okay get out of here and then she's like building her career as like a female rock star um, while living in this nasty little closet with the handyman from the prison that she's married to. And then she starts having an affair with the politician that brought her back to the to the prison. It's his name. I think it's Frank Langello or something like that. I like him. Yeah, he's in there. He's a good looking guy in this movie, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like a lot of just raunchy, like dirty little sex scenes, um, really bad music like the band that she's in this was like you know late 80s early 90s where everyone in a band like dressed bizarre like they had top hats and like you know long tail coats and it looked like a costume party but it was a band so that it's kind of fun it was really bad <laughs> <laughs> it's just so weird that it's on it was, tubi it was just like 
reusing the title. Right, it's like the title. A, is the implication that this is what God created woman to do? I guess like, and this is like what God created women to do in the 80s right. versus. Oh. Yeah. The different prompt. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. I, I probably should have done some research into the why behind it. I just thought like this guy, um, the director, shit, what's his name? Roger Vadim. I'm pretty sure he was just sort of like, yeah, it'd be cool to like make some more money. That was a cool title. Everybody so, liked it. So you haven't seen the original with Bridget Bardot? I have not. Oof. It's pretty hot. Is it as <laughs> yeah, she's a, I don't know if it's as the, good like, as this. Sex kitten term okay. came from. Well She's very hot now. Well movie. good. I think she yeah, she's beautiful. With a beautiful little gap in between her teeth. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. Cronenberg yeah, did that gorgeous. same thing this year though, because he had an early film called Crimes of the Future that has nothing to do with the new one. Oh my god. Yeah. So I guess maybe so sometimes you thing? just like use a title and you're like, I could have held on to that for like Yeah, I like this title. <laughs> do you think that they reuse the title so they can like get attention from people where they're like, Holy shit, that's like a classic film. Like this has gotta be good and they go and it's like this is horrible. This, but mean, we got you. In this example, it seems like that was the case. Yeah. I think in Cronenberg, it was just like, it was such an earlier film. It's like a thesis that he hadn't quite yeah. articulated yet. And Crimes of the Future now is like, it's almost a like fully a fully realized vision. It's almost like a career recap now. Like, yeah. He like kind of goes back and like collects all his different tropes in like one basket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I think it'd be interesting for me to like dig into that and figure out. How the hell this got made and why? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, but Brandon, have you been watching anything better than what I just <laughs> described? Uh, I went to the movies exactly once since we last recorded. I, I took the bus to the Uptown Britannia, which is a little more of an adventure for Ooh. me. Because Uptown is its own little planet, as we were discussing last night. Mm-hmm. It's like separate from the rest of the city. Yeah. I saw Blow Up, the Antonioni movie from the 60s. Uh, I've never seen one of his films before. And I feel like it's kind of pitched as this like murder mystery in the fashion world. And I feel like there's a lot of stuff that I thought was purely inspired by Hitchcock that was obviously inspired by this movie, like Blow Out from De Palma mm-hmm. or was that movie Perversion Story we did that was like Fulci doing his like vertigo riff like mm. in retrospect that's also very closely tied to mm. blow up but it's actually not really a murder mystery like there's a murder that happens and this fashion photographer discovers it while blowing up his photographs but it's almost like a jalo in that it's all about the style of the movie mm-hmm. and the fact that like the mystery never comes together in any way like you know in mm-hmm. jalos they like in jalia they kind of like pretend that the answer to the murder matters at the end, like all at the last minute. Yeah, like there's a weird connection. This one doesn't doesn't care. Like he keeps like trying to get people to pay attention to this thing he discovered, and um, it just never goes anywhere. Hmm. And the movie just kind of ends. I remember vaguely seeing a little bit of this because it was on HBO Max for a little while. Isn't it like kind of artsy or tries to be kind of artsy fartsy a yes. little bit? It's very quiet. Um, yeah, there's one scene at a rock concert where the Yardbirds play, and that's very oh. raucous. But like the rest of the movie is like for a swinging sixties like London movie, it's very chill, like yeah. very like introspective. Um, With that like elevator music in the background, kind of, like the <laughs> a little bossa nova <laughs> jazz. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, the experience of going was very funny because this was like eight p.m. on a weeknight, and they brought in this guy to the Britannia to do a hour long lecture about the Beatles. <laughs> 
Oh, cool. Who have nothing to do with the movie whatsoever. <laughs> and he just happened, he just talked about like the two albums they happened to release the same year that this movie was set in London. <laughs> and every slide he was like switching over to talk about some other like stat page on like where one single placed on the charts. And you could hear people <laughs> groaning, like, oh, can we please watch this movie? So, how, like, I wonder how like people like do those sorts of things at Britannia, like, get that opportunity. I feel like you could do stuff like that. I talked be fun. to a programmer at the place because I showed up a little early and he was basically saying like, because all the Oscar-y dramas that are out right now aren't making money and aren't pulling in people, like they just had more room in the schedule to like add extra really? times cool. for this art film from the 60s. Hmm. And I will say their downtown location, um, they have more screens to play with and they've been doing like yeah. really interesting out there like repertory screenings so like older movies i've never seen before i can go see them for the first time on the big screen cool so i don't know i I didn't love the movie but like it felt like another like little piece of genre filmmaking just help me understand like some other stuff i do love more like blowout and perversion story yeah and also i've been watching tons of screeners at home like just like too many movies that like all these studios are like promoting for us to place on our like (laughs) best Mm -hmm. of the year ballots um my favorite one that i watched was eo which uh, I don't think has reached New Orleans yet, but it's a sort of remake of Ahazar Balthazar mm-hmm. uh, that you just like watch this donkey walk around modern Europe and meet people like <laughs> one scene at a time, you know, like Isabel Huppert will pop in for 30 oh. seconds and then she's gone, you know? I saw that you sent me uh, John Waters' favorite movie list, which I think we look forward to a lot. Yeah. Um, and I saw that was on it, and yep. it, so- it sounded yeah. really cool. I think it was like his number two. Yeah. I absolutely need to see this movie. Yes. I think it's great because it's like an 80-something-year-old Polish director who like was making movies around the same time as Blow Up in the 60s. Like mm. He was making these like psychedelic, button-pushing art films, and he's still kind of like... A little bit of a prankster in this one. Like, yeah. Somewhat it is Ahazar Balthazar, but like also it's like Gaspar Noe directing like Homeward Bound or something. <laughs> There's all these like flashing lights and these like red gels and like, yeah. You see the donkey's dreams. Oh, <laughs> like, God, that's uh, all I want in my life. Donkey is to dreams. See donkey's dreams. When he's, when he's sad, he cries one giant donkey oh, tear. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, the movie's like very playful and fun for yeah. someone who's in their 80s and has these like kind of psychedelic side moments yeah um, i don't know it's like the one movie that's really impressed me in this like flood of content that my eyeballs are like screaming yeah. for me to stop <laughs> cramming inside of them i feel like it it brings me so much peace to just like if i'm having a bad day just to go to city park and look at ducks and like what would it be like to be a duck you know <laughs> so I love that yeah i do that with my dog so yeah for i'll bring a nook out there and we just like sit and watch all the ducks and the mm-hmm. geese yeah. And then she like smells all their shit and we're like, this is a great time. Right. Yeah. Like this duck doesn't care about my job. You know, it doesn't judge me. But they're so confident and it's like yeah. they know what they're going to do every day. Right. They don't they give a just shit. Walk out of their little, I don't know. I guess they just sleep outside. They, you know, they, they, they just they wake up and they go. Mah, mah, mah. Do you know that video of just like the ducks eating peas out of that bowl? <laughs> no. I think no. about it all the time. I would love I'm to imagining it right that. now. And it's. <laughs> Already delighted. It's like a hungry, hungry hippos yeah. thing, like that, like rapid action of their heads oh, going back and forth, mm-hmm. and yeah. then the bowl of water that the peas are in just gets dirtier and dirtier because they're filthy <laughs> little birds. Yeah. Oh, so it's like watery peas, not yeah. just dry peas. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah. yeah. I think you're supposed to feed them peas and carrots more than bread. That makes sense. Yeah, you're not, oh, you're not supposed not to feed them Whoops. bread. I mean, yeah, yeah. to be fair, I should be eating peas and carrots instead of bread. That's right. Right. But I don't. <laughs> uh, we need to be more like ducks. More like a duck. <laughs> and more like Eo, the EO. noble donkey. That's right. He's just doing uh, his best I out there. I just want to be a noble donkey <laughs> someday. Okay, I'm going to try to describe what we're doing today. <laughs> And I'm going to try to encapsulate all four of these movies in like one description. Good luck. All right. These are films with melodramatic premises. Not all of them are melodramas, but they have melodramatic premises. They are based on seasons and their emotional climax is tied to a specific holiday. Or more than one. Yeah. <laughs> one or more specific holidays. Yes. That is as concise yeah. as you could have been. You did a great you job. Did a basic job, Brandon. Good to hear. I've been working on that one. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Took some revision. <laughs> and all that's coming up to you right, right now. now. I've read about how the Swedes bathe together and, and have trial marriages and free love. I've read all about that. Anything goes. So now you hate the Swedes. How many outlets for your hate do you have, Helen? We haven't been able to find a new house because of your multiplicity of them. We can't buy near a school because you hate kids. They make noise. And there can't be any Jews or Catholics in the block either. And oh, yes, it can't be anywhere near the Polish or Italian sections. And of course, Negroes have to be avoided at all costs. Now, let's see. No Jews, no Catholics, no Italians, no Poles, no children, no Negroes. Do I have the list right so far? And now you've added Swedes. And oh, yes. You won't use a Chinese laundry because you distrust Orientals. And you think the British are snobbish, the Russians fearful, the French immoral, the Germans brutal, and all Latin Americans lazy. What's your plan? To cut humanity out? Are you anti-people and anti-life? Must you suffocate every natural instinct in our daughter too? Must you label young lovemaking as cheap and wanton and indecent? Must you persist in making sex itself a filthy word. Brandon did a amazing job of describing what we're talking about today. And thank you for that because it's all my fault. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it was my turn to pick like the topic. And I'm like, okay, how about holiday melodramas? And the movie <laughs> that made me want to do that is the film A Summer Place, which is... A movie about teen romance, resurface romance, and scandalous affairs that pretty much takes place in the summer <laughs> <laughs> on an on Pine Island off in a the, boat off house. the coast of Maine. Right. Yes, <laughs> but the reason that this film reminds me of Christmas is there is a scene in here that lasts for like a minute. Whenever I walked in, I like recited it to Brandon too to get us amped. It's like a maybe two minutes long, but it like defines this movie for me, and that's why I always see it as a Christmas film. It's kind of like a drink the juice Shelby moment. Like it's like really fucked up and morbid, but it's kind of funny because it's so overwrought. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. It's very it's very good. I could see why people would like memeify that one scene and like it defines the movie, even yeah. though most of the movie's like very beachy, right. and uh, not Christmassy. With the least Christmassy song that plays over and over and over I, again. I was just going to say, is there any way to like edit in 
that theme. Oh, that was the this intro entire for that episode. That's called a theme from a summer place. Yeah, it's a theme to a summer place. Max Steiner playing in the background the whole time oh, we're having so this conversation. I can do that. Fun yeah. fact, also why I love this movie. Um, so for a while I was renting a room at my great aunt's house, and my great grandma was living with us too. And my great grandma would watch a summer place on repeat for months, like all day. So I would like be going to bed and I would just like wake up to pee and it'd be like because it was the menu that would just stay on or like you know little moments where I'm like you know woke up I'm like what was that and then I hear Johnny's letters were all I had and now you've made them dirty (laughs) (laughs) you know just lots of summer place like you know quotes just all all in my tucked away in little pockets (laughs) little pockets of my brain (laughs) I could see like mistaking the DVD menu playing the theme over and over again for it being the movie itself because <laughs> that is how often it repeats. Right, it's like it, every in every it's like moment, every other scene, <laughs> any any scene of any sort of like sexual, yeah, dramatic tension, it's playing. Makes it and sexier. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, we gotta, we should find ways to like plug that in through the discussion like every like five minutes <laughs> so a summer place 1959 film that is based on a book by sloan wilson so i he was like a big author at the time and he wrote i think the man in the gray flannel suit was his like big book um haven't read any of his stuff but he's got a reputation like some of the people in this movie it was also directed by delmar daves which delmar daves did um a lot of like film noir and westerns so this was totally like not in his wheelhouse but he did a bang-up job i think throwing it out there in the in the teen realm so the big thing about this movie that is that also makes it really cool is it stars a like two young like teen stars uh, Troy Donahue in his like first major role in a film and Sandra D who's adorable, adorable and poor thing had like a horribly tragic life like she did not live long she didn't have a great upbringing she was you know sexually abused and just went through a lot of stuff so she's she's a tragic person and she kind of plays a very tragic character so it, it kind of it's very sad. But there's two big families in this film. You've got your Jorgensen family, which um, is Sandra D. Her name is Molly in this movie. And her mother, her frigid mother, and the her father. The villain of the piece. The she villain. Is, she Helen. is truly awful. <laughs> Horrible. One of the, one <laughs> yeah. of the worst She's a bad mom. Yeah. characters I've ever <laughs> encountered she's like a mom that you would write a memoir about later like (laughs) she's fully traumatizing she's she's mommy dearest yeah Yeah, exactly so you've got the jorgensen family um and then you have the hunters which is troy donahue and his mother and father so they're all going to pine island so the hunter family owns this mansion that they something happened with their fortune where they were like this big wealthy family on the island for like you know for a period of time and they started to lose their money so they turned their mansion into an inn 
and the father is sort of this like alcoholic that can't let go like his his heyday of being wealthy um the mother is really quiet um she's sweet but you can tell like she's totally over this relationship and they're sort of trying to stay afloat by renting out rooms um in their pine island end well the jorgensen family spends is coming to spend the summer the thing is the father of this family used to be on on the live on the island when he was younger he was a lifeguard and he wasn't wealthy and he had a relationship with the mother from the hunter family and she could never be with him because he was just this like you know poor lifeguard and she was way you know her family was more prestigious than that so she couldn't marry him and she married um this turd and it turns out that um the lifeguard he became super wealthy i think he like worked with like he's a chemist a chemist he's a chemist it's like a millionaire multi-millionaire so his family is arriving and the hunter um well the the alcoholic father is like pissed and he's like oh he's coming here to like you know show me like all the money he has and rub it in my face and blah 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 and they're like well shit we need the money so we're gonna go stay in this like raggedy ass shed and we're gonna give them the master bedroom so they come on the island and then the son and daughter um molly and johnny um sort of had this love at first sight moment and molly is an interesting character like this movie is more on like the molly side like troy donahue does speak and things but we don't really focus on him at all it's mostly her and she's going through like i guess puberty in a sense but sexual yeah, self-discovery yeah, her, like, sexual yeah. Awakening. she realizes how hot she is yeah she like, bounces like dad i'm super hot <laughs> yeah i want to show my body she off and- confides in her father which for some reason i don't know if it's me but i did not find it gross the way that like she's like snuggling in bed with her dad and like talking about like how she wants to bang like yeah. you know which which is weird but it could it have been grosser weird. than it felt <laughs> it honestly felt like a pretty healthy relationship yeah i think it's because the problem is her mom is a fucking asshole and like she can't talk to her mother about things like that but her father is more open and is like yeah let's talk about it and she feels more comfortable with him so it's sort of like that's the parent she gets in the situation but when she's telling about like how she wanted to like show her body off and right. she's changing and she knew someone was watching. Right. He would watch me in the window and one time I just undressed knowing he was there. Is that bad, daddy? That's not bad, sweetie. <laughs> that's not bad. Right. That's fine. You know, it skirts a line. Yeah. Like, that's a little It does skirt the line. But yeah, it didn't feel though like... It didn't feel icky. No, it didn't feel like predatory or no. gross or anything like that. It was just like, I definitely would not share that with my father. Yeah. But, but it's like her dad is very like, you know, I yeah. believe in love and you know freedom yeah let's you know having sex and all this stuff and and thank god she has someone to tell her that (laughs) you know mom's exact opposite right exactly but he feel he's like so liberal uh free love but why did you marry this awful awful person yeah to keep up with appearances i think it's because he's like okay like i'm wealthy now i need a wife that matches that and oh lord was she it oh and and then also he marries her like right after after she got sylvia married she got married yeah 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 yeah. like all right well i'll i'll get this thing and i'll show you i'll marry a bigot yeah, <laughs> ruined my life. I'll show you. Jews and the Swedes. Yeah. Oh, so now God. you hate the Swedes. 
<laughs> Must you make sex itself a dirty word? By far my favorite <laughs> yeah. thing in the whole movie. That yeah. monologue. monologue. Oh, so good. It's yeah, good. He gets through all of the like, you know, you don't like the Jews, you don't like the blacks, and then he's like, and you don't like the English or the French or the <laughs> Germans. Like, and now you hate the Swedes. Wow, this woman truly. Who She's does she like? <laughs> so, um. Oh, he returns in to the island and kind of there's the flame that never tr- never really went out with him and Sylvia and while their their children are kind of having their own teen romance so is so are they um th- but it's an affair and they're kind of sneaking around the island but there's a night watchman who's such a bastard he <laughs> like he's like a big old tattletale and tells everyone what's going on but um all this is happening and Johnny and Molly go out for a boat ride and the boat capsizes and then they're stranded on this island for the night. They're rescued and the minute that they're rescued, her mom's like, you're getting a full examination because she's Ugh. like, you probably had sex with that guy. So it's like a you know big old rapey moment where yeah. Yeah. she's like sort of forced to go through this examination to make sure like her hymen's still intact and that she's a virgin. Yeah, to make sure her daughter didn't have like a consensual sexual experience, she like forces her to have a right a non consensual one. Yeah. yeah, which is horrible. So she's so he she tells Johnny. Johnny threatens to kill um, Helen, um, and then this sort of causes this big confrontation. And then Helen says, "Yeah, I know you're also having an affair." When her and her husband are talking, and she knew about this, and she's kind of trying to like keep it to herself and close because she wants a divorce but i'm not that familiar on like divorce policies back in the day but i it was not easy to get one and i think she was trying to like show that you know he he was you know cheating on her so Mm -hmm. she can get some money from it and the families end up splitting up where you know the the two lovebirds ken and sylvia there's so many names i'm so sorry (laughs) ken and sylvia end up like being together, leaving their shitty spouses, and they go to this Frank Lloyd Wright house on the coast <laughs> to live. And um, Johnny and Molly are then sent to boarding schools, but they still communicate with each other. They like write letters, they have phone calls, and they meet in dirty motels. They meet in dirty <laughs> motels, which is the the iconic Christmas scene. So Sylvia is putting up this really like kitschy christmas tree and she makes a comment where she's like hmm she lasts about 10 years solid plastic (laughs) and then um molly comes in with her coat and she starts pulling her like gloves off and her mom's like you know where have you been and she's like well i've been in a motel and she's like a motel with john hunter yes you know i couldn't bring him here and we had things to discuss and then she makes a comment where she's like all we did was talk. Don't make it sound like, you know, dirty. What, do you want to call a doctor to come and, like, mm-hmm. verify? And then her mom slaps her. And then she falls into the tree and looks up at her mom and is like, Merry Christmas, Mama. Iconic Christmas scene. <laughs> this is why I made everybody watch this movie. And this is why it's a Christmas movie. So Johnny and uh, Molly kind of have this... I don't want to say hatred, but it's like this just this disappointment in their parents that, you know, have eloped. 
that was the one part I did not understand. Why are they so mad at these like cool as fuck parents? Right. I think it's just because of the the times and their upbringing. Like it's almost like this confusion in a way where they're like, that's not what's supposed to happen. And that's, uh, they broke up our family. Looking at it now, I'm like, good for them. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, I'm like, now y'all can go bang it out you know, at your parents' right. house. I think like, <laughs> exactly. I mean, y'all are step siblings now. A lot now. of us right. here have been like, you know, children of divorced parent and like, good. Y'all like figured it out and yeah. you're with someone yeah. you're happy with. Like, did you want him so to see with the sweet hating lady? Is that right. like the better plan? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or the alcoholic. Yeah. Right. Do you want to get slapped again? Yeah. She At one point early in the movie, she's like, dad, why does mother hate? Both of us, like, has mother ever said I love you to you? He's like, no, darling. (laughs) It's just clearly not a good situation. But I do think the movie looks at, like, sexual expectations of women and, like, relation, the dynamics of relationships and marriages during that time in, like, I, I think the, it was pretty interesting to watch from like the perspective of someone in 2022. So I appreciated that. Like I and I do feel like part of it is just like the social shame of having a divorce and having parents that are divorced. And their affair made the papers. Too. Right. Like, it did. It Headlines. Yeah. So that's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. And it does feel like this kind of coming out of the 50s into like the 70s, like yeah. free love. Because when was this Not made? Quite. Like late 59. 50, 59. Yeah. It's almost Getting there. at the point where you could like. Like Psycho was like the next year. Like you could start to do these like more overtly perverted things. Yeah. But yeah. like it can talk about that stuff, but I can't show anything. Right. It, it's towing a thin line. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, just speaking of like the the dialogue in this movie and like the subject matter being so sexual, like which this movie's so light now, but it was so scandalous then, which yeah. kind of reminded me of like, oh, like that's probably why they're thinking all this shit about their parents. Yeah. yeah I mean, for fifty nine. Like. Feels like a horny. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was like that. I think the first scene dealing explicitly with like sex or you know like yeah. horniness is that where she's talking to her dad about undressing in the window. I was like, this this movie's nasty. All right, <laughs> yeah. and it got you know it just built from there. And it is kind of thrilling to watch something very um well behaved right but the words are like yeah, yeah, very yeah. filthy it's like you're wearing a full skirt your <laughs> socks are covering your ankles yeah, yeah. and you're but, but you're, you're like, filthy yeah mom says i bounce too much yeah. dad oh my god <laughs> oh, yeah. you're gonna why are you gonna take our daughter's womanly shape away <laughs> yeah his dad's like, like dude my daughter's outside. hot yeah. she's like, got a banging let body her be let her go let her go let her bounce mother let her go bounce around pine island <laughs> that's right but uh, okay we but we were talking about peyton place this month as like our movie of the month another place and it's very similar in that it is a like controversial yes like subject matter movie and like a soap opera in the same way this one is but like it's from two years earlier, and even that one hints a lot more than it, like it talks out loud. It like might this. have opened up, yeah, a little bit. Like <laughs> if if we wouldn't have Peyton Place, we would we would not have a summer place. But okay, I mean Peyton Place is a better movie though. <laughs> I think pretty objectively. <laughs> I would. I don't know. I like them both a lot. This movie is a, a little lighter. I think it's more. I don't know. I always kind of looked at it as more of like a like a teen film while Peyton Place even though it's like teenager centric it's just very sad and very dramatic and it's yeah 
there's more that comes out of it, I think. I mean, the like standard bearer for this kind of movie is like the Douglas Sirk Technicolor melodramas. Yeah. This movie has none of that artistry to it at all. It has very like wonderfully frank discussions of sex and yeah. it's like scandalous in a great way. Mm-hmm. And like the drama between the characters is all interesting in like a soap opera kind of way. Yeah. But there's no like sweeping grandeur to the way it's filmed or like the vistas or anything. Yeah. I will I will say too, like other than that, like the way this film kind of ends, like we're in this for over two hours and the ending is so like light where it's like, all right, we're all happily ever after and pregnant like and after like the midway <laughs> point the drama is sort of like like yeah. the helium is out of the balloon kind of after just, the slap i think it kind <laughs> of yeah. starts to fizzle and then it's just like we're coasting along and yeah. it's very yeah. light but when i think of melodrama i think of like there's death and Correct. like there's something crazy which that's Peyton gonna happen places it's, way heavier which i haven't that. seen which i probably should it's but. very good yeah if you like this movie you'd like Peyton place i i think pretty clearly oh no and i did like it yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed it a lot i think there was like a lot of very funny di- <laughs> like in addition to the xenophobe monologue and then just like the funny sex con- there was just like a lot of strangely written dialogue like there's one yeah. part where helen is talking to her daughter about being coy and like how to like interact with boys appropriately and she's like you gotta play with men like a fish yes. and i was like what, what? like <laughs> what well, that, was, that was not the metaphor i was thinking you were gonna go for I forgot how and she then i just thought of that for, i just thought about what? it for like two minutes i was like how do you play with a fish and then <laughs> i even play with a fish yeah i mean a koi is a type of fish. right exactly <laughs> it's not really a not, synonym right <laughs> i guess they're flopping around and they're slippery you know you gotta, you gotta play with them if you play with them don't they die yeah don't do that yeah and i just thought helen was like so deliciously evil i just hated her so much and i do like the um what i see now is like an overt parody of their like christmas battle in female trouble yeah where the daughter Mm -hmm. is awful and beats her mom with the the christmas tree (laughs) on christmas morning for not getting her the cha-cha heels yeah like this movie definitely left an impression on people. Yeah. And that Christmas scene is in the trailer, too. So even if nobody watched it at the time, I know it was immensely popular, but even if you didn't yeah. see it, you would know that Christmas moment. So I'm follow like I'm in like a lot of like those like Facebook groups and pages and stuff like that where it's like psycho bitties, fans. And every year for Christmas, everyone's like, all right, it's time for the slap. And <laughs> it's just the, the clip. And if you like, there's like a YouTube video where it's just the slap over and over again, like for a full like you know 20 minutes or something like that like people love the slap it left an impression on everyone mm-hmm. and yeah i'm sure th- like every drag queen of a certain era had like a merry christmas mama right like, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. locked and loaded for when they needed it yeah so i i plan on reenacting that scene for my family at christmas this year <laughs> yeah. as like a christmas present to everyone yeah um so i'll let y'all know how that goes um but yeah i mean Something else I wanted to bring up, I, I recently watched um, An Imitation of Life, and when I was watching this, I realized that Troy Donahue was like the mean guy in there that slapped oh. her oh. and called yeah. her the N-word in the alley and was like abusing her. Oh, my God. The, the girl in there. I'm like, oh, my God. So I was, that was like his, I think, first like film appearance. This was his first like major role. And I'm like, yeah. wow, he turned into like 
a like you know a little little sweetie in here. Yeah. He was horrible before, which you know what a range, what a range on Troy yeah. Donahue. I don't know that I've seen him in anything else particularly. I thought it, I thought Sandra D was great in this film. Like yeah. she was so sweet, and I really felt like she had a lot too. of complicated. Oh, she was an imitation of life as well. And Lana Turner from that was in Peyton Place. <laughs> yes, everything's connected, <laughs> yeah. y'all. Um, also. We can't not talk about Greece, right? Because as for you, Troy Donahue. As for you, Troy Donahue. Know look at me, I'm Sandra D. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and that's where it came from. This yes. film too. Yeah, yeah, very influential. Mm-hmm. So I think like a lot of people, I don't know, like if you find folks who are probably in their 60s, I guess, or 70s, they probably remember this from yeah. their their yeah. heyday. I have to say though, I think both of the male leads were pretty bland wait well, a second I was the dad s- no i i was no, gonna no, no, say no, troy donahue is bland yeah troy donahue yeah. bland but the dad richard egan yeah the dad the I was really, like, and he was fine uh, dad oh. is i think it was interesting but the other the two other male leads no i don't know i, li- I liked the cool dad he did have the same facial expression the whole time he looked like what he was just carved out of like? stone it- yeah i was like he was like shot in like stark shadow a lot and it was just like light was careening off of his face in these harsh he angles oily yeah like i was oily statue man yeah and... it really looked like they that just oily carved, they carved a face and then they had like a narration over it but i was very compelled by him his voice is so pleasing yeah it is and he, when he's like don't be ashamed of your sexuality right. in your body <laughs> yeah exactly it was, thank you you've got to love yourself love's the most important thing in this world yeah you yeah love yourself. <laughs> how are you gonna love anybody right, else yeah. can i get an amen <laughs> him and his wife I mean, that family, the wife, the daughter, and the dad, like all three of them are what's selling the melodrama. Yes, absolutely. Like, the three of them are yeah. the core of the movie. Everyone else is kind of like superfluous. Yeah. They are the drama. Yeah. They are. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Well, good. I'm glad that we all uh, were able to watch this holiday classic and, <laughs> and talk about it. Um, I'm gonna this add makes it, my heart happy. Add it to my Christmas movie rotation. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly where it belongs. The, the longer stretch of the holiday, though, is the like holiday on the island right, in the yeah, summer. Yeah, yeah. right. Like, like going in the on summer holiday place, yeah you're right that's like a big chunk of the movie the yeah. actual like holiday. christmas is very small piece of it <laughs> it's two minutes it's out a of meme. two hours right. yeah. <laughs> have yourself a merry little christmas let your heart be light next year all Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Make the Yuletide gay. Next year, all our troubles will be miles away. What have you two been up to? Nothing. It was that old dress we found. We stuffed it. It looked just like a body. A live body, too. We put it on the track. We thought when the motorman put on the brakes, the streetcar would go off the track. Agnes Smith, you're nothing less than a murderer. You might have killed dozens of people. Oh, Rose, you're so stuck up. So for my movie, I chose We're All Going to the World's Fair. 
Uh, no, me in St. Louis. <laughs> <was like>, what? <laughs> wow, it would be like a great alternate title, yeah. I think. Yeah, uh, wow, it would. absolutely. Uh, Meet me in St. Louis from 1944. Um, Judy Garland musical, Ugh. much like a summer place. It's not entirely a Christmas movie. It's like a very seasonally structured film where mm-hmm. we start in summer, then we roll into fall, then christmas season and then back to spring it's like a full calendar year there's more christmas in it than a summer place for sure for though. sure yeah we're, we're getting <laughs> yeah. heavier into christmas time i was oh, trying to yeah. get light on you here i was trying it's to ease okay. up no I, I know i know exactly what i did i'll admit it but also very halloween yeah like, lots of halloween badass yeah. halloween stuff in this movie so as far as like seasonal melodrama goes there's like two moments in this movie that made me cry like a fucking baby and yeah. one of them is the halloween scene mm-hmm. and one of them is christmas yeah it's set in the early 1900s in St. Louis in the year leading up to the World's Fair being staged there. And Judy Garland is one of many sisters in this sort of well-to-do family who is like kind of coming up. Like the dad's getting more and more business opportunities and doesn't know how to exert his power at home over his like many daughters and his one son who basically run the house while he's busy at work. Mm-hmm. I'd say only two of the daughters really matter. And like the overall story, which is Judy Garland has main character syndrome where like she plays with her sister's lives for her own amusement (laughs) and to like set up a romance with her and the next door neighbor that she has the hots for. And then also Tootie, Mm. uh, the pint-sized sociopath, (laughs) 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 is just like in love with blood and guts and dead bodies and like... Anytime the movie threatens to get too saccharine and sweet, Tootie comes in to be like, the Iceman saw he saw a hobo get shot in the neck and the blood squirted out three feet. Tootie is absolutely perfect. Love her. Um, Melodrama wise, there are these like things that are not really a big deal, but everyone in the family makes a huge deal out of it. So like the first sequence set in spring is all rotating around this phone call that the eldest daughter Rose is going to get long distance from New York. Mm. (laughs) And (laughs) there's so much drama and hustle and bustle around this phone call. And like uh, Judy Garland tries to get her some privacy so she can accept this marriage proposal that she thinks is going to come and tricks everyone into thinking that like there's going to be an engagement. And that phone call is like the drama of like the first third of the film. Not really that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. They like make a big deal out of it. And then the larger story is like the dad gets a job in New York and is going to move the family away from St. Louis. And they're like, we can't go to New York. There's nothing to do there. We don't know anybody. We'll be so (laughs) bored and lonely. Be living in a tiny apartment. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think any of the actual like dramatics matter that much. Uh, It's like the core thing is just this family loves each other very much. And they're going through like kind of a coming of age cycle depending on how old they are the two moments that make me cry are at halloween young tootie dresses up as a drunk hobo and uh she's much younger than the rest of the neighborhood kids but she's more of a ruffian than a lot of them Mm -hmm. and they're supposed to be pranking people because it's trick-or-treat um, and they're supposed to be throwing flour in people's face, and that—that's what kills them, quote unquote. Yeah, I've never heard of like that no. before. Mm-hmm. It's like mischief this. night, you know? You like burn yeah. furniture in the street. Right, yeah, like, <laughs> tossing <laughs> furniture. Yeah. I feel like we bonfire. should do that next year right. for like Halloween. <laughs> we can go kill people with flour. And yeah. see if we get killed. And the adults kind of expect it, like 
like the kids are like quote unquote getting away with something, but really like the adults are like, okay, this is the one night a year the kids like prank us. Yeah. Tootie musters up the courage to throw flour in the scariest neighbor's face. With the scariest dog? Yeah, he's a sweet oh. little bulldog. <laughs> he's like a little fat bulldog. <laughs> and the fact that she has the courage to do that, but none of the other kids do. And she's like running away from the house screaming i'm the most horrible mm-hmm. i'm the most horrible <laughs> uncontrollable tears just flowing <laughs> out of my face and i don't know what that is yeah and then the the second one which i think is more typical melodramatic like pulling on your heartstrings is they're spending their last christmas in st louis and judy garland sings to tootie have yourself a yeah. merry little christmas oh, and i'm so actually getting choked up just saying those yeah. words that song is so unbelievably deeply sad. Yeah. And I don't know that I ever recognized it as such before I watched this movie. I was getting emotional watching this. Like if we would pause it, I would like read Judy Garland's yeah. like biography oh. and just like knowing her backstory and her life Yeah, and that song in particular, but kind of her throughout the film, such a star, so talented and so tragic the way destroyed her, by the system destroyed yeah. by the her, system yeah. and like watching this movie just made me feel very emotional anytime she was on screen singing and one thing about this so this was the original like orchestration of the song right yeah so in the frank sinatra like the version that you normally hear there's a in the like it's like the last kind of chorus it's like through the years we all will be together if the fates allow hang the shining star upon the highest bow and then it, it but in the original version it's like until then we'll have to muddle through somehow Ooh. which is so much more like just kind of trudging through the difficulties of life mm-hmm. and like hoping you're going to be with the people that you love and not always being able to and like just the uncertainty that they're facing is like it is a really tender uh, beautiful moment especially since she like she doesn't want to move but she's trying to comfort her youngest sister yeah. and yeah. like step up for her and you can hear her heartbreaking mid song yeah. like as she's like singing yeah it. Uh, yeah it also made me cry yeah and then tootie proceeds to run downstairs and <laughs> whack Destroy the all the snowmen all the snowmen yeah. uh so no one else can enjoy them yeah. i guess uh, <laughs> team tootie <laughs> tootie's the best i i recognize that there are faults in this movie some of the songs are not particularly good like i sit there watching them sing skip to my loo for like minutes on yeah. end i'm like god this scene sucks but the trolley songs trolley song bang, is bang, a banger bang with it is yeah. that song I, that's should a, not work as well as it does that yeah. song has been stuck in my head <laughs> for the past <laughs> weeks and mimi in st louis too is like it's it's a very jaunty yeah. song. You just can't help but like sway from side to side. You could um, say the word hoochie coochie, which is yeah. just fun to say. <laughs> yeah, hootsie dootsie. But I don't know. Not all the songs work for me. There's also a lot of like casual racism, just like mm-hmm. rears its ugly head sometimes. It's like, does the movie know how racist that is? Yeah. Uh, and I don't know that it does. Yeah, especially one of the songs they sing at the party. Yeah, like, that one's yeah, pretty bad. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of like mammy dolls and like butler yeah. statues in the back that are like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. So I recognize that this has faults, but I've only seen it twice. And both times I watched it, I was just like crying the entire film. Yeah. Like it just emotionally like steamrolls me. Yeah. How do y'all feel about it? Yeah, I loved it. I mean, I agree. Like I had a big smile on my face for a lot of it and then it would hit me in the gut emotionally for some stuff. And I, I thought most of the songs were pretty good. 
like I said, the trolley song's a banger. The final song's a banger. Yeah. And I thought it was beautiful. Like, I, I just love Technicolor. Mm-hmm. And this is, like, gorgeous. And Judy Garland is or was a fucking star. Yeah. yeah. And it made me very sad to see her knowing, you know, yeah. what kind of ended up happening. Yeah. It's, like, weird watching that and just, like, well, we all know Liza's on the decline. But it's sort of, like, wow. Like, look all that time that has passed and all this tragedy in that yeah. family. But on on a positive note. I agree. Like the color saturation in this movie mm. is awesome. Oh yeah, great costumes too, and yes. just some like really, like really dependably pleasing characters. Like you have the sassy grandpa who like comes with Judy Garland to the prom because her date doesn't have a tuxedo. The like kind of bewildered father who's extremely selfish and kind of like disconnected from his family, yeah. but comes around. And I normally kind of buck up against like precocious child characters, but Tootie was just absolutely bonkers and like <laughs> so like so particular and so lived in and like weird. And I like absolutely loved her. Like she, that is a very unique character to me, especially when she like made up that big fucking lie. That yes, was, like he beat me <laughs> up, like, and then they, they, Judy like, Garland commit, goes beats like, the shit out of the dude <laughs> next door. Like yeah, and they like totally caused like a tram accident. Yeah, they yeah. threw um, a <laughs> dummy to look like a dead body to cause a streetcar accident <laughs> to freak people out on Halloween. God. I'd really think that she's necessary for the movie to work. Like yeah. it would yeah. be a little too corny without this like little morbid freak right. running around yeah. uh bragging about her like dead doll graveyard and like right. uh, I gotta dig up all my dolls. <laughs> Shit. And she has to like dig a tunnel to the neighbor's house to pants her and she's not gonna leave St. Louis until she gets to do that. Yeah. Uh, and also like I don't particularly love Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. So like to have one that gives Halloween like an equal weighting yeah. like for like things that matter emotionally. Yeah. Um, I think that helps. Yeah. And for Christmas to be a melancholy holiday. Yeah. You know, like rather than this like kind of immaculate cheer. It's a really beautiful moment. This was an interesting. So in regards to like the topic, mm-hmm. this one. Okay. It's melodrama holiday theme. This one definitely knocks out the park with the holiday stuff. I mean, the melodrama, like, like Brandon was saying, it's kind of low stakes. Yeah, really. yeah. Like, but it felt the most melodramatic by the look of it. Like, it yeah. looked like a Douglas Sirk kind it of production. Does. So this one was like up there as far as like the theme of the episode. Yeah, I thought even if it felt a little low, will stakes, we ever meet the theme? We shall see. I think we will. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 we will. <laughs> But like the things that happen are not dramatic, but the outsized emotions that yeah. those events are met with are melodramatic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like even the reaction to her date not having his tuxedo because he's playing basketball. He's like, <laughs> I was Ugh. playing basketball and then I didn't make it to the tailors. So his tuxedo yeah. is like stuck in the tailors. And Judy Garland is like, well, you know, I guess it's okay. And I'll just, I just won't go to the dance. Oh my God. And she's like crying <laughs> on her bed. And then her grandpa comes in and is like, well, I, you know, I dusted off my suit and it looks pretty good. And then they, you know, it's like those b- huge moments, but it's like insignificant in the course of a person's life. Yeah. They but feel it, important in the yeah, moment. No, yeah. No, and it's, you know, it's fun to like honor those moments with melodrama. 
I think this is the kind of movie that, like, if you don't like this, I don't know that you like movies. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, I, I think it's kind of just doing everything that, like, an entertaining Hollywood studio picture can do. Mm-hmm. And it does it pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Which kind of makes it not as fun to talk about as something like Autumn in New York, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, uh. maybe has more holes that we could poke in. A lot of holes to poke. I mean, <laughs> so I had picked this one purely because. I had always, like a blockbuster, walked by the cover, and all I knew about it was like Winona Ryder. I think she has cancer or some, whatever. She's sick, you know. She's dying, and it's a love story set in New York. Like that's literally all I knew about it. I knew it was set during like the holidays. So when this topic came up, I was like, I need to finally sit down. Our rap tight theme. Yeah, I need to, f- <laughs> but it felt like it fit. And I was like, okay, yeah. this is finally yeah. gonna give me an excuse to watch Autumn in New York. And I actually think this one fits the theme the best in a weird, like it's the worst movie that we're going to talk about by far. (laughs) It's tied to a specific season and it uses the occasion of a holiday to attack your emotions. Yeah. I think that's like the bare requirement we were looking for. And I've also kind of been on a Richard Gere kick lately like we watched breathless which yes. i love and mm-hmm. so like, masterpiece fucking love richard gear that was a good movie yeah and this <laughs> this film made me question my love for richard gear and it made me question like everyone involved <laughs> it makes him feel icky yeah, yeah. everyone feels <laughs> oh like God. worse off it's a really sappy melodrama so you have richard gear who's playing will keen who's like i guess a restaurant tier guy in new york but the few clips we see of him doing anything with food he's making like a pasta salad that looks like <laughs> you would have got it's it from like, rouse's, or like a rouse's pasta salad i think watching him cook is kind of sexy i think watching him shave parmesan, shave the parmesan. Is sexy. that is literally the only sexy and then thing he's he like talking food. very loudly about cheese like I asked for an aged Parmesan. This is a Pecorino from the market, you know? <laughs> just like. But he's like hot shit, older guy, playboy type. So in the, the movie starts and he's kind of schmoozing at his restaurant and he sees Charlotte, played by Winona Ryder. Immediately, it's kind of a love at first sight, but it's apparent very early on, like he's much older than her. I mean, he, this guy's probably in his fifties and she's 22. Yeah. I think he's supposed to be like in his early fifties, like older than 50, but he's immediately drawn to her and they kind of flirt a little bit, but it's this weird, like dynamic of, Oh, you're like a little girl and you need to grow up. And she makes hats. And she makes the worst hats the worst I've hats. ever seen in my life. She makes the worst ugly hats. They're like pipe cleaners with little right. things dangling yeah. off yeah, of them. Yeah, little fascinators made of pipe cleaners. Oh. But the way he ropes her in in the beginning is, first of all, like he's introduced through her grandmother. Elaine Stritch, who is amazing. Who's fantastic. The best character in the movie. Yeah. But as it turns out, he used to date her mom, which is super gross. They didn't date. Technically, they were like, yes, they did. I think that the movie softens that. Like, I bet you in the first draft, him and his, her they mom were definitely fucking. fucked. Yeah. Well, because <laughs> well, it seems like he was in love with the mom, like in yes. some parts. So, this doesn't happen in the movie, but whenever like that connection was made, I'm like, oh my God, he's fucking his daughter. Like, that's his kid. Yeah. I kept thinking that the whole time. Well, I, that, I still that think comes it might up be true. later. So, essentially, he's like, hey, make me this hat for my date 
but it's all a lie. Like it's all a way of ruse for her to accompany him on this date. And she makes him a stupid hat. Um, <laughs> so, well, I want to say one thing about the hat. Crafts hat. Okay. So the prompt, like she, she's like, so what, you know, what's oh. the inspiration? What's the theme? And he was like, make me a hat with the curve of a woman's hip. <gasps> and then the hat that she, which is gross. The hat that she makes him is this like weird, disgusting little hat. And it has boing. this like, boing, boing, like, like little hat. Hot woman hat. Right. And it has like a little origami bird stuck to the God. end. Uh. So it's like, it looks like a cat toy. Like, <laughs> She she took the most like a sensual prompt and made the like a hat devoid of sexuality and it just it's baffling. Sex no, not hat. not hot. I feel like I was a little hard on Natalie Portman in um, right. Garden State right. after watching this. I was like, wait, it could be worse. Right. I think this, and that that's a big thought I had watching this is like this feels like the worst example of the manic pixie yeah. dream girl like. She serves no purpose, has no interior life in this film except to like make Richard Gere a better, a better man. Yeah. yeah. And you know, mm-hmm. they they go on this date, they fall in love, they have sex, and then the next morning, you know, he's like, This isn't gonna be a thing. Like, this isn't gonna last. She's like, Yeah, it's not gonna last because I'm dying. <laughs> like, I'll probably be dead within a year. I had this heart condition. And then he goes through this crisis of like do I keep like having sex with her till she d- dies. till she dies or should I just cut it off? And they kind of like, you know, they continue to date. And on the positive note, there are some beautiful scenes of them just kind of walking around New York in the fall. New York looks nice on camera. Is like the positive thing. New York yeah, is the thing. I just wanted it to say something. It was filmed in New York because I know we're railing on it, and it is worthy of being railed on. I thought some of the scenes, like them walking around, the leaves are changing. New York is pretty in the fall. That's about all I'm just I can saying say. I could make a movie about New York being pretty in the fall. And yeah. many people have. <laughs> right. Um, and anyway, so there's this big dramatic um, scene towards middle where they go to a Halloween party where kids are bobbing for apples and he, whatever, he decides to like cheat on her at a kid's party for how, ha- which is <laughs> fucked up. Like, and like further characterizes them in like two ways. Cause he's like a fuck machine and a yes. sex addict and has sex yes. at the party with like a drunk adult. And she spends the entire party talking to children. Hang she's out a little baby <laughs> child brain. <laughs> yeah. So and he just like breaks <laughs> her heart. So and literally like she has a broken heart already. Like she has this heart disease <laughs> literally. and he breaks it even further. And it, like, that's when it really kicks in in this movie. Where it's like, leave her the fuck alone. Yeah. I am calling the police. Yes, let me write a letterbox review of this. Oh. <laughs> no, eventually oh he wins her back, but he just like shows up at her apartment, just sitting oh. in a chair, like all sulking, and yeah, it's so cringy. I and kept screaming, "Stop! Yes, stop! Leave, stop. leave her alone! Leave stop! Now. Stop!" And then he finds new ways to violate her. Yes, yes, yes. He, he becomes like more predatory as time goes by and it's like just let this girl no and he ends up like changing her will essentially yeah there's a scene he's showing her like all of the sheets where he's practiced forging her signature to like so that she can get this surgery to say she doesn't want no yeah he's like look i was practicing and she signs it herself and he's like yours is much better than mine (laughs) like it's not what a fun flirty moment for you (laughs) great so, oh God. so hot. okay 
I think the main thing that drags this movie down, the most <laughs> glaring thing, and there's a lot of glaring, but like the chemistry between Richard Gere and Winona Ryder is like non-existent. Yeah, there is. It that. ain't there. And they have this sex scene towards the end of the film, maybe one of the worst sex scenes I've ever, like so unsexy, <laughs> like filmed through the like veneer of this like glass. Yeah. glass yeah. And his uh, like old hands on Yeah, and he has her. weird old hands. <laughs> childlike body yeah i will say the director said that the movie was taken out of her hands by the studio and like one of the things they cut was the sex scene had like more nudity and was like raunchier oh i don't think that would have fixed no it would have made it worse probably i'm glad yeah that winona ryder didn't have to expose herself yeah for this movie like i could not watch that scene i had to hide my eyes i was like i this is so uncomfortable like i feel like i need to call somebody you were also watching with your mom too that's true I was watching oh my god <laughs> but, it, but it wasn't that it wasn't like oh this oh it's a sexy scene Ooh. it was like I can't watch him do this it's to her it feels yeah it felt like I was watching a crime so whenever she would have those seizures I thought she was orgasming oh, he no. was, he oh, was no. banging her and then I'm like oh he's not having sex <laughs> she might die <laughs> so every time they started having sex I'm like He's going to kill her while they're having sex. Like, I couldn't tell if she was seizing or not. Oh, so, my God. I don't know. This this is a bad movie for sure. I did enjoy watching. Like, I enjoyed laughing at it. Well, now you know what it's about. This is like a life mystery you've been trying to figure out, right? Yeah. Since your blockbuster experience. But I haven't seen a movie that hit that it's so bad it's good part of me and like, I didn't feel the it's good part of that oh I did oh I thought there were so many little it's the little details it's like the hat the hat, the hat is so bad the fucking yeah. the world is better off without her around to make more of those hats yeah and so oh, and like her dress like she shows up oh to the God. grand ball and Horrid. it's like something you would get from like party it's city like a shower curtain. <laughs> yeah to me all the little details like every scene had these little details yeah. of badness that I found so fascinating and like entertaining. Yeah. I mean, it was creepy and awful, but I don't know. I thought it was a hoot. It's a garbage movie, but I was entertained. It's a, it is a hoot. I agree with that. And the the way we're talking about it, like we're obviously animated, like yeah, yeah, it's yeah. fun because it's so, it's interesting so bad. At like who made those are like, oh, we have to like add little bits of whimsy throughout this beautiful romance. Like whoever like, was involved with making the weird hats or the shower curtain dress. Like let's 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 make her quirky. I think the director is like an interesting talking point because it's Joan Chen who was mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. on Twin Peaks as Josie. Yep. Wow. Her previous movie was called Shushu, the Sent Down Girl, which is where the band Shushu got their name from. Really? Mm-hmm. Have you seen you've seen the movie? Yeah, it is so sad. It's just like about repeated sexual assault of this oh. like country Damn. girl. Like all these soldiers come through this small town and take advantage of this one woman over and over oh and over God. again. Oh my God. And it's like a miserable drama. Mm-hmm. I don't I like that like movie very much. Not a little bit. But I think it's at least purposefully miserable where this is like miserable by accident. Or is it? I don't know. Like she said that the studio did all these rewrites and like took the picture out of her hands. I don't know what she meant to make. Right. Yeah. What she did make what is I conceptually flawed. Her vision, I don't know if it would have been any better than what we saw. What y'all were saying about the like revelation that 
he's having sex with his daughter. Like, if that was the plan and the movie was like, what have I done? In right. like, kind of like an old boy kind of way. Well, yeah. there that is, would have been something. There's a subplot where like he reconnects with his daughter mm-hmm. and it's basically him learning how to be a better man and how to be like a grandfather yeah. and a better father. Well, but there is this element of like, you're into Winona Ryder's character because she reminds you of your daughter that you lost. Like there was some weird Freudian messed up mm-hmm. stuff going on that it doesn't really play with enough. That structure follows the uh, seasons along the holidays, kind of like Meet Me in St. Louis too, where like the Halloween scene is there like blow up. She dies on Christmas morning, yeah. which yeah. is like the big emotional punch. And then the scene of rebirth uh, where he like emerges from this trauma as like a better father. Yeah. And set on Easter with his like daughter yeah. on like, a yeah. paddle boat. Yeah. Just like Mimi in St. Louis. That's right. <laughs> this movie's exactly just like Mimi in St. Louis. Mirror <laughs> movies. I kept thinking though, like watching this, like if there was someone who dated my mom and they were some hot older dude, would I ever have anything right. to do with them? And I'm like, no. Right. Hard no. So I just like couldn't get past that. Yeah. And the, like the, every time they talked, I'm just like, oh. Yeah. Like, and she and she embraced it. She was like, I think I'm as pretty as yeah. my mom. Tell me about my mom. Do you think mother? about my mom when you look at me? But right. Uh, it's so weird because like I like Winona Ryder. I do. But like she does not work in this movie. Richard Gere is trying to, but the material is bringing everyone down. And I think especially with Winona Ryder, she has kind of like this childlike she's quality. She's too childlike. Too childlike. Yeah, she's too grown to be acting the way she acts. Exactly. I don't care if she's dying She's or supposed not. to be like this mature-ish <laughs> yeah. 22-year-old that can meet him at his level. And she's but, like a right. 22-year-old that acts more like a 13-year-old. Right. 13-year-old. And that, she does weird yeah. stuff. Like, yeah. yeah, she like bites her lip bites and like her, puts yeah. her finger on. And I think yes. like she acts <laughs> so childish and it's supposed to be like, oh, she's so naive. And then... When he tells her, like, this is all I'm ever going to be able to give you. And she's like, that's fine. I'm going to die anyway. Like, that's supposed to be this, like, oh, she's, like, self-reflective and candid. And, like, she's actually extremely mature. And she can totally handle this, like, fucking guy. It's kind of like a bait and switch. But it, it still makes it so, like, uncomfortable and inappropriate. Like, it feels like she is absolutely underage. I did go back and read Raven's um, review of... Elizabeth Town, which is where the term Manic Pixie Dream Girl was like coined, mm-hmm. to see if the, he referenced this movie because this is like such a like solid, unmistakable example of that trope. He did not reference this, but he did reference Garden State because it yeah. was like it came out around the same time. Yeah, it's just like a really embarrassing caricature of what a human adult woman would be like. Were yeah. there like young young girls who were like, oh my god, I want to be just oh, like my little writer? There's oh one god. scene. <laughs> when she's dying and he's i forget what he tells her he's like you've oh he's like you've ruined me for other women and she says no i've saved you for them uh, and i wanted that, to that was the line. a knife that into was my the, eye. like put that in your thesis yeah. quintessential wow. manic pixie dream girl <laughs> bullshit however the grandmother was great even she though it's was. baffling to me that she's like she has a little scene with him where she's like stay away from her stay far away don't you ever hurt her and then proceeds to like not intervene in their she relationship 
so hands all. off. Yeah, yeah. And, and she no, also and introduced that, that too. Yeah, exactly. And yes. then and then when Ona Ryder comes home perf. like heartbroken after he cheats on her at the Halloween party, and she's like, "I've seen that face before." Oh. And, and my pers- daughter. <laughs> yeah. And then proceeds to tell her about like the time that he hooked up with her mom's tennis doubles partner at the clam bank, which was, that was a fantastic scene. I kind of <laughs> wish he would have like banged the grandma at some point. Like, That's more in his age range. A full range. generational. Yeah. It would have yeah. been way more appropriate. So yeah, this movie's awful, but it's <laughs> like, we watched it. I'm glad I watched it too. <laughs> I had fun watching it. I think most people would have a blast. I had fun being mad at the hats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever you're infuriating hats. Like I said, there's so many little like details that don't make any sense and that are infuriating. I feel like (laughs) most people could watch this and like have fun being like, God damn, this is pissing me off. Do you remember the scene where you first see the hats? Yeah. (laughs) And the thing the other funny thing is that they're so insistent on how like how much of a genius she is for making these awful Awful hats. They're like, oh my god, you're so talented. And they're just horrible little hats. That she's introduced in there at his restaurant and all of her friends are all wearing the hats. It's embarrassing. It looks like they crash landing from an alien planet. So good. Where that hat looks nice. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely baffling. Okay, so the last movie also tests the boundaries yeah. of what we're talking about here. <laughs> but I think if you read the premise on paper, it would read like a melodrama. Yeah. And it is unmistakably tied to a holiday. Yes, it is absolutely. This <laughs> is, I, And I think this film is tied to a single holiday. Yes. It yeah. all revolves around one day, in fact. So I chose Pieces of April, uh, which was directed in 2003 by Peter Hedges. It is a story about April, who is the eldest sibling in her family. She is kind of like a cool punk chick. She's moved to New York. She lives in like a small apartment with her boyfriend, Bobby. And she has invited her family to her apartment for Thanksgiving. Um, Her mother is dying of cancer. so And she has, I think, like a year to live, basically. She April is the black sheep of the family so this is like also an attempt by um her father and her to like build good memories between her and her family before her mother dies so the film follows like april getting ready for thanksgiving and her family traveling to new york to see her so it kind of like cuts back and forth between those two the main drama of april's story is um that Her oven doesn't work, and she did not realize this until the day of Thanksgiving. So she has to, like, uh, go up and down her apartment flight of stairs, finding other people's ovens that she can use, and, like, knocking on doors, and she gets help from a couple of people. She uses the oven of this, like, black woman's family. She can use it for a little bit. Um, They also teach her to make cranberry sauce. Um, And then she has to, like, find another oven. She has problems finding that oven. And then her family is traveling and, like, kind of talking shit about April the whole time. And, like, it's also exploring the tension that's forming in this family because of the mother's diagnosis and her, like, acceptance of her own mortality and her, like, declining health. 
my mom really loved this movie. I think we saw it. I've seen it like five times. And it's definitely not a melodrama. It feels like it should be because there's a lot of like family tension. There are little touches of like April's past and kind of the shit that she started when she was a child, but also like the lack of love that she received in her family. And then obviously her mother has a terminal illness that's like, uh, you know, melodrama 101. But it is more like me and James were talking about this like an like an indie drama from the early 2000s. Honestly, it reminded me of like a sitcom almost. Yeah. yeah. There's all these little quirky characters that pop up and like mm-hmm. there's a certain era of like I'm thinking like Flight of the Concords or something. Right. Like, it's all very character based humor. Mm-hmm. But I watched it twice. And the second time, the final scene where there's the slideshow of them actually uniting oh on Thanksgiving, God. I cried. Yeah. 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 I felt a little bad. I showed up at your house as y'all were finishing the movie. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> yeah. I deflated the tires on that like conclusion. Oh, but. no. It was, I think, actually, you knocked on the door as they're setting up the final shot of oh, the whole thing. I ruined it. <laughs> but no. yeah, that scene always makes me... It's so beautiful, like, because she just really is trying so hard to make it work. Like, she doesn't know how to make mashed potatoes. Like, she doesn't know how to cook at all. She, and, But she's getting all of this help from her neighbors. Yeah. And, like, they all, like, come over with her. And so initially, her family arrives, and her boyfriend Bobby is black, and he got beat up by a bunch of people and he like her ex yeah yeah her ex and his like group of cronies yeah um and he like kind of runs into their car and they all freak the fuck out he's like bleeding out of the yeah, mouth yeah he's just like his <laughs> lip is puffed up so nice and he's, so like, so he's, he's like you're you must uh, like you're a family she's you gotta come up like she's so excited and he's like so kind to the mother and then he runs up to tell april and then april comes down and they're gone oh that was so heartbreaking yeah and this her sister is like so cruel and wants to be like the perfect child and is kind of is trying to control the holiday and like kind of trying to Mm -hmm. keep everybody from coming to see april like she's gonna ruin it it's gonna be terrible they're talking about how awful the food is gonna be so they go to this restaurant and then the mother oh my god she sees this like woman yelling at her child in the bathroom of the restaurant and then she convinces this like motor gang to bring her back to april's apartment with her brother and the brother is a photographer and they knock on the door april comes to the door to open it they open it up and just the look on her face is like so it's like confused and touched and then it's like a snapshot of her and the rest of the ending is like snapshots of their family dinner together it's just like oh my god it just makes me so it makes my heart just like explode it's It's a really smart way to end it because like what could you do after all of that build up that would actually be satisfying right you can't have like a monologue of you know like oh you know i I've always wanted to repair our relate. You know, it's like yeah. you can't have anything. It's just those moments of reconciliation. Well, and it's interesting too that it, where I thought it was going in the beginning was like that the drama would be they show up at her apartment and there's all this kind of bickering between the family. And I thought it was kind of smart that they kept it mm-hmm. separate. Yeah. Like two separate storylines kind of going on. And then that final meetup feels so much more special 
where it's not like a, I don't know, like a Krisha or something where you're yeah. delving into the awkward family dynamics, like just her seeing her mom at the end and giving her a hug yeah. was what the whole thing was sort of building to. And that, you know, I thought that was pretty special. It's like they got it all out of their system yeah, before they right. actually met each other. Yeah, yeah. Which is pretty honest to how I relate to holidays. Like, there's a lot of buildup in my head. Like, I don't want to go do that. Right. I hate going there. Yeah. I hate seeing my fucking racist <laughs> uncle they have to pretend to be nice to for right. three seconds or else he'll like throw a hissy fit. But once I show up and I'm like, if I can limit it to just my immediate family, it's like, yeah. You know, that was it's, worth it. It's worth yeah. it. And like you sort of forget all the things that annoy you about someone to yeah. spend like a pleasant hour with them yeah. sharing a meal. And I think this movie was really special, too, because I've been seeing it all, this kind of idea a lot lately, kind of movies about like creating your own community to say like, fuck family or whatever, like my friends and the people that I choose to hang out with are like what's important because I choose to be with them. And this movie has that in the like stuff in the apartment. Yeah. We're like all these people that she has to share a space with her neighbors who she connects with and they help each other out. And it's like the sense of like intentional community. But then you also have the family stuff where it's like the obligation is there too. And she connects on that level as well. So it's like both are important. The people you choose, but also the people you're obligated to. Yeah. And like fulfilling those obligations and putting in the time is special and important too. So like this movie kind of touched on both and I I thought that was like very heartwarming. It's also pretty smart to pick Thanksgiving as your holiday cuz like this could have been set on Christmas, you know? Yeah. But like it gives them a little more lead up time because I feel like Christmas morning is like the big part of that ritual. Right. But like not that many movies are set on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Like, but it's kind of the same familial obligation tension. Yeah. Uh, so like when you circulate a list of like the 10 greatest Thanksgiving movies. This is on it. This yeah. should be on there. I mean. Yeah. So my parents have direct TV and for Thanksgiving I was like really pumped because like sometimes it'll be like for a holiday weekend they'll be like all the movie channels are free this weekend so like all of the hbo the showtime the stars channels were like available and i was like fuck yes and the films that were playing the most was like pieces of april and planes trains and automobiles and i'm like those are the two thanksgiving movies i think so you could tell that like the world Identifies oh, this as a home for the top. holidays. I got to give a shout out. The, I never saw that. Ooh, is that the, Thanksgiving or Christmas? I thought that was Saint. I can't remember. Oh shit! Is that Christmas? I don't know. That was Saint. Anyway, <laughs> I know House of Yes is also a Thanksgiving movie. And I love that. Well, one. there we go. Oh yeah. But yeah. what I like too, like we cooked for our family this year, and there was so much humor in the beginning of this, like her prepping mm-hmm. the meal and like, Oh my God. <laughs> like I was like, so grossed out by her running around with that Turkey though. Where the I'm most like, probably hideous hair and shit in it. footage I've ever seen of food being prepared. Like it's that <laughs> yeah. early two thousands yeah. digital low yeah, lighting. Yeah, yeah. Her apartment is fucking disgusting. Yeah. Cause yeah. we're all city dwelling ghouls. Like, right. of course we don't clean our apartment. <laughs> None of those bowls we were clean. That Waldorf salad. Oh yeah. Oh. Washing the Turkey in the sink. Yeah. Was just vile. <laughs> to look at and then she yeah. drops it on the floor <laughs> oh 
I was like, this is so comically absurd. Yeah. Like, yeah. They really lean into like how yeah. nasty that food looks. She's using the like potato masher on the raw potatoes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, I did love that aesthetic, especially in the beginning, that early 2000s digital, like when her and Bobby are just kind of like flirting in the bed. Something about it felt very real and lived in where I'm like, just felt like I was watching actual people. Yeah. And like that bled over into the prepping of the food. I'm like, oh yeah, this is what it looks like. And it's fucking gross. I do like it when they're doing dirty talk while having sex and she's right. just reciting Thanksgiving the, recipes. Didn't one of the neighbors like steal a turkey leg? Yeah. Like yeah. a weird guy. Yeah, with the dog. Yeah. That was the one part I didn't like about this movie. I didn't like his character. Oh, he freaked me out. It was, was like weird. It was a sitcom not... caricature. Yeah. yeah. So it was the cat guy. So it was, was who's at Cisco works at the. Yeah. But, yeah. but si- I thought he was great where he felt like a real person mm. where I, I felt that way. I thought he was good. It works in a comedy, but I, I don't really. The guy with guy the dog and I didn't understand yeah. his villainous character tyrone is a sitcom he, character to me but anyway yeah. yeah i didn't think he was a villain i think he was just like strange and yeah. awkward and then she was like not like she just didn't have any patience for it at all and then once he overheard her like talking shit mm. he was like you know he just he just like doesn't know how to process his emotions just said subplot yeah, it could that's probably not my favorite. Done without that, I just but. wonder, like, they all must have got salmonella. <laughs> like, she poisoned that entire apartment that turkey building. was like, okay, like, it got washed, fell on the floor, right. it got half ass cooked, kind of here, there, everywhere. Some <laughs> right. man, some weird guy with his grimy hands grabbed the leg. God knows what else he did God, to the turkey. Love, this right. is a snuff film. Yeah. yeah. I love that Asian family, though, that, like, hook the shit up like we're gonna finish we're gonna help yeah, you yeah and they make the leg out of the dough and she's trying to explain she takes like beautiful. four attempts to yeah. explain why Thanksgiving is important and every right. time she starts is like actually this is awful I don't know <laughs> yeah. conceptually this yeah. holiday is flawed well, so that's the other when we were talking about like like this holiday versus Christmas like Thanksgiving the central point is to just eat dinner with your family so it's like even more than christmas it's like part of christmas is just i'm gonna get my fucking presents you know yeah but thanksgiving is like truly you have to face up to your family and if you are have any discomfort with your family there's nothing like that you can escape from especially if you're cooking or like your family's cooking there's even more stress involved in it how do we feel about this device like, I feel like all of these movies are relying on a lot of emotional baggage from the audience. We're like, the holidays are already yeah. emotionally loaded. Yeah. It's pretty effective. Yeah. yeah. It's effective because the holidays are so stressful. Yeah. This, like, period of time, like, I feel like Halloween is, like, the last big release of a holiday. And then, like, I work in the wine delivery business. And from November through the end of the year, it's super stressful and then you have like the stress of family and the traveling and having to spend time with people you don't see but once a year and like November and December the most stressful months and then it's like the new year and it's over leave that shit behind so i don't know like these movies work for yeah. a reason like these are stressful times and they bring up big emotions and that's why all these movies are like pretty effective. And I think it's even more 
apparent that autumn in new york does not work right like, it's very easy for me to cry during a fi- like you don't really have to do all that much but autumn in new york has all of this sentimentality built into it you know it's like christmas day and he's trying to decorate and she, and then she dies she it, dies and it's on like christmas i morning. felt nothing so phony yeah there was <laughs> nothing in my heart or my eyes and that was i think probably was it the only movie where someone like actually died in the movie that we watched and it was like the least sad probably yeah, yeah. Because yeah, isn't that weird? That's a bad. Yeah, that's a bad review. <laughs> I mean, right even there. like a summer place, the Christmas scene is phony. That is like a so bad it's good moment to me. Is like mm-hmm. the Merry Christmas Mama is like solid plastic. Yeah, like that is so overwrought that it's like hilarious. When it happened in Autumn in New York, it was like this is some manipulative bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Meet me in St. Louis. Oh, that yeah. have yourself a merry little Christmas moment. Like, yeah, just that's a genuine... turns me to a puddle. Like, right. I'm just like mm-hmm. weeping until I get nothing left. It's, like, sad to watch these because I'm, like, the only time that, like, Christmas and the holidays, like, the winter-ish, autumn-ish holidays were fun is, like, when I was younger. Like, it yeah. was cool. Yeah. And the older you get, the more it's, like, this fucking blows. Yeah. And then it gets worse and worse. And I'm, like, oh, my God. I'll never Wake like this Wake me up at Mardi again. Gras. Yeah. Thanksgiving is, like, oh, God. I'm going to spend time with all this family. And then Christmas is, like, it's just about the kids, which yeah. is great. Like, just watch them open their gifts and... Ecstatic yeah. for whatever Pokemon card or, but but then it's like you just sounded like seventy years old. Yeah, I know. It's like give me the adult holiday. Like I want my Halloween, my New Year's, and my Mardi Gras. Right. That's for the adults. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I love New Year's. Yeah, it's so. It's I love so New great. Year's too. I love getting trashed on the porch with champagne and a big coat. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Also, I love it because it's best of the year season. We're going to be talking about a bunch of movies that we loved. I don't know. I love that ritual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we will have one more recording before then where we'll talk about the best movies of all time, maybe, <laughs> uh, according to some people. Well, the, that Formerly were, the best. Yeah. Formerly yeah. the best. We might be talking they're... about the rejects. Yeah. Right. We're revisiting the sight and sound <laughs> list conversation because mm-hmm. uh, that's all anyone's talking about on like, film Twitter right now. But anyway. And before that, there might be a Lanyap episode where I make people watch Neptune Frost. Because uh, mm. that was my favorite movie I've seen so far this year. But I haven't seen it since the theater. So I need to revisit and like reabsorb that. It's the time where I'm starting to like actually work on my list. Yeah. I mm. I, have y'all started that process yet? I have. I have a little letterbox list. Me too. Yeah. Do you see yourself like trying to scramble and catch up? Or are you just going to like take it easy? Well... I, I think I kept up better this year than I have in past years. And I have like a strong like top five. Nice. Mm. Which I never really do. Like last year, I think I was like, shit, I had like a strong like bottom, but not top. Mm-hmm. I'm top strong. Yeah. I think for me, like. <laughs> Amazing. I don't know that you meant what you just said. Yeah. That was. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to read too much into that. <laughs> but uh, for me, it's like. You know, we've had the AMC pass and we've gone to the yeah. theater a yeah, lot. Yeah. And yeah. like, there's certain theater experiences that have really stuck out for me. Same. But I also have like a pile of DVDs on my yeah. coffee table that you've given me. And I know I'm going to like try to work through some of the best film, but like, I don't know if they're going to be as special to me as some of the theater experiences from this year. So, yeah, my top five is kind of solidified for the most part, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, when I look back at what I've listed highly, it's basically just like my favorite movies I saw in the theater this year yeah. for the most part. Mm. Even though I just went through that whole cram session, like I, I'm kind of still sticking to like 
trips to the theater. Very important part of the process. It is. If you get like a good speaker system and one of those like mini projectors, if you can like bring the theatrical experience home more. I think I need someone to shame me into not looking at my phone yeah. or pausing to get a snack. Right. Or like you need like an ice block. Petting the dog. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can hire or one like of us a, to be like the usher. Right. You need like a clockwork orange setup. <laughs> but even yeah. more than that, it's like cramming more than like three films in, yeah. in a day. Yeah. Like you're going to lose the magic after yeah. a while. Because it's more like when you go to the theater, it's like, fuck yes, I want to see this movie. I'm excited. But when you're cramming it, it becomes a task. And you're right. like, it's not like something you're choosing to go do and spend your money on. Yeah. So we don't like seeing our families. We don't like watching movies. <laughs> <laughs> so, we want this so year to be over. Grumpy, grumpy. Grumpy, grumpy. Grumpy, grumpy.